What is good, everybody? JT Sports here, back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. And on this episode, I am going to be giving you guys my 2022 NFL free agency day one recap and reactions. The Pittsburgh Steelers signed Mitchell Trubisky. Really, really upsetting. We're going to be talking about that. Plus, the big days that the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Miami Dolphins, the New York Jets, and the Los Angeles Chargers had day one of free agency, plus some notable day one free agency signings. Now, if this is your first time listening to the JT Sports Podcast, welcome. I appreciate you for tuning in. Make sure that you go ahead and follow me on all of my social media platforms. You can follow me on Twitter at JT Sports underscore underscore. My Instagram is at JT sports underscore and lastly if you are listening to this on the podcasting platforms make sure that you go ahead and subscribe to the youtube channel also for those of you guys listening to the podcast on youtube make sure that you check out the jt sports podcast every video that is uploaded on the channel is available in audio format on every single podcasting platform apple podcast google podcast spotify podcast wherever you get your podcast from the jt sports podcast is available all you got to do is go to whichever podcasting platform you use type in the jt sports podcast it should pop up or you can click the link down in the description scroll down a little bit and it will take you to the apple and spotify podcast link so you guys can go ahead check it out there make sure you leave a like on the video and leave a five-star review on the podcast the miami dolphins had a Really big day in free agency. So they started the day off re-signing edge, edge rusher Emmanuel Ogba to a four-year deal, $65 million, $32 million guaranteed. Really good signing bringing back Emmanuel Ogba. He has had consecutive seasons with nine sacks. So made sense to re-sign him. He got a pretty good deal and I think it was well earned. Then they brought in former Arizona Cardinals running back Chase Edmonds. They signed him to a two-year deal worth $12.5 million. And this move was really interesting to me because the running back position for the Miami Dolphins has been a weak point of this team for the last couple of seasons now. And they've been trying to figure out, you know, the running back situation, bringing in different guys, and nobody has really materialized as the forefront RB1 for Miami. So by bringing in Chess A. Edmonds, you know, like, I'm going to be interested in seeing if Chase Edmonds can be a three down back because he definitely does have the skill set. Last season for Arizona, he kind of got in, you know, his opportunities taken away by James Conner because James Conner really started getting hot and then James Conner ended up becoming, you know, the lead back. But despite James Conner, you know, becoming the RB1 in Arizona, Chase Edmonds was still really productive last season. 592 rushing yards, 5.1 yards per attempt on 116 carries. He also had two touchdowns. Also was a factor in the passing game. 311 receiving yards and 43 receptions. And that's what has me excited about what Chase Edmonds could do with the Miami Dolphins. It's the fact that you have somebody who has the ability to do everything. He can catch the ball out the backfield. He also can run the ball as well outside. Like, I think that 
today, Chase Edmonds is going to be a really good pickup for the Miami Dolphins, especially under new head coach Mike McDaniels, who probably is going to be able to get a lot out of Chase Edmonds. However, they still do have other running backs on the roster, such as Duke Johnson and Miles Gaskin. So we don't really know what Chase Edmonds' role is going to be, but I am expecting him to have a pretty heavy role at the moment since he is a better pass catching back than Miles Gaskins and Duke Johnson is pretty good catching the ball as well but I think Chase Edmonds is a better overall and a better complete back than what the Miami Dolphins have and have had over the last couple of seasons. They also signed wide receiver Cedric Wilson. And Cedric Wilson was one of the more underrated wide receivers going into this year's free agency because he got overshadowed by Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb. Last season, he had a career season with the Dallas Cowboys catch. 45 passes for 602 receiving yards and six touchdowns as well he has pretty good size 6'2 200 pounds he's a really good deep threat he also can do a little bit of damage you know after the catch but you look at how he's going to complement to attack Valor, like he could end up being a very good red zone threat because he has the size. And on top of that, the speed that he has downfield is kind of underrated also. So I like the addition of Cedric Wilson. What role is he going to have in this Dolphins offense? Because we know about Jalen Waddle had a fantastic rookie season. What about Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, Isaiah Ford, some of the other wide receivers that they currently have on this roster? How is Cedric Wilson? Wilson going to mix into the Dolphins passing game how is Mike McDaniels going to utilize him and the last signing that we have to talk about for the Miami Dolphins they signed quarterback Teddy Bridgewater to a run a one-year deal and reportedly Teddy Bridgewater is going to be backing up to a pretty much what the consensus is about this move he's going to be the backup and I like it you know, it makes sense, even though I thought we would see Teddy Bridgewater be mentioned a little bit more when it came to other quarterback vacancies, such as the Indianapolis Colts and the Pittsburgh Steelers, because Teddy Bridgewater had a pretty solid season for the Denver Broncos, in my opinion. You know, like, it's not the most fantastic from a statistical standpoint, but you know, he won games and he did what the Denver Broncos needed him to do, which was take care of the football and not lose games. And I think that Teddy Bridgewater, you know, is still good enough to be a serviceable starting quarterback. However, he is going to be going down to South Beach for a year and he's from the South Beach area. So this probably was another reason why he was okay with accepting the role of being the backup to Tua Tavaloa because he grew up down in that area. So it's pretty much home to him. So he's coming back home. He's going to be familiar with everything. So it made sense why Teddy Bridgewater was okay signing to be the backup quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. And I also think that Teddy Bridgewater is a very phenomenal guy to have in the locker room. Great leader, great character, always somebody who is quick to bring up a teammate when they're down. And I think he's somebody who Tua Tagovailoa is going to need in his corner because Tua hasn't really gotten a lot of support from the Miami Dolphins. You 
Think about all of the rumors that you heard about the relationship that Tua and Brian Flores had. Brian Flores not really wanted him. It seems like Tua was kind of unwanted. You know, we didn't really know how the other Dolphins players feel about Tua, but there were some players that unanimously that um came out unanimously and spoke out against Tua Tavaloa saying they didn't really have a lot of confidence in him so having Teddy Bridgewater in that locker room being by Tua's side is going to be something that I think could be monumental for Tua and his development because I definitely think that he needs a big support system down there in Miami so this is the recap of the Miami Dolphins day one of free agency their signings I think overall this was a fantastic day for the Miami Dolphins starting for agency and I'm eager to see you know what other players are they going to look to add they didn't really sign any offensive linemen day one of free agency that's definitely something that is going to have to improve you know also what are they going to do at cornerback are they going to add more depth at that position linebacker as well could use some improvement so the Dolphins still have a couple of positions to improve but You definitely have to be really happy if you are a Dolphins fan with what you did day one in free agency. Another team that was really, really active day one of free agency were the Jacksonville Jaguars. And me being from the city of Jacksonville, I have pretty much spent my whole entire lifetime in Jacksonville before moving for college. And I saw that they signed five-time Pro Bowler offensive guard Brandon Sheriff. I was looking at that notification. I was like, okay, okay, I see Jacksonville improving the offensive line, making sure that they can protect their franchise quarterback Trevor Lawrence, something that they did not do a great job doing last season. And Brandon Sheriff has been one of the best offensive linemen in the NFL. He's probably one of the best offensive guards in the NFL for over the last decade or so. He probably could be named to the NFL's all-decade team. So this is a huge signing for the Jacksonville Jaguars. This definitely made the Jacksonville Jaguars two times better already than what they were last season. Brendan and Brandon and Sheriff because it's all about being able to win up front. A lot of people forget this. A lot of people think that you got to have all these fancy wide receivers and you got to be able to throw the football and have all these great plays. But to win the Super Bowl, you got to be able to win up front. And that's why the Cincinnati Bengals lost the Super Bowl because when the game came down to the final moments, And the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line needed to step up and protect Joe Burrow to keep their Super Bowl hopes alive. They weren't able to do it, and the Rams got the better of them. So you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, bringing in Brandon Sheriff is absolutely huge. This is a great signing. Then you bring in Fourier Okul, excuse me, Fourier Oluokan, excuse me. When you look at Foyer Luicon, like this guy is a tackling machine. He had 192 tackles this past season, three interceptions and two sacks. Like he is a monster. You pair him up with Miles Jack. Ooh, the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to have a really solid linebacking core. You got him. 
Miles Jack. Like, their linebacker unit is really going to be nasty with him. And also, you got Josh Allen. Like, the Jacksonville Jaguars have some pieces on their front seven. However, they do need another edge rusher. You know, they do need to shore up the interior of that defensive line. But there are a couple of nice pieces along the front seven of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And by signing Foyer Luicon to this three-year, well, to this deal like it's going to improve the run defense tremendously and just improving the defense overall as a whole they also sign defensive tackle from the new york jets floronzo fatoski to a three-year deal worth 30 million dollars i'm sorry if i mispronounced that name i've been trying to pronounce it all day i'm sorry i tried my best i know but I definitely feel like they overpaid for him. He's a really good run stopper, but not really all that productive when it comes to the pass rushing aspect. So, like, he's not really a true three-down player in a sense because when it comes to pass rushing situations, he's not really all that effective. However, he is really good against the run. If you want to put him in in short yardage situations, he's good in that aspect as well. But I just kind of think paying somebody a three-year deal 30 million dollars for somebody who's just a pretty solid run stopper kind of feel like they kind of overpaid for him then they signed tight end Evan Ingram one-year deal 10 million dollars I like this signing the Jacksonville Jaguars have been in the market for pass catching tight end for like the last three seasons now Evan Ingram I mean, he's considered to be a pass-catching tight end, even though he has struggled with drops throughout his career so far. But he is a former pro bowler. He has really good speed. As a matter of fact, before free agency has even kicked off, there's been a lot of rumors talking about how a lot of coaches and teams want to sign Evan Ingram and not just play him at tight end, but also play him in the slot as well. And I think that would be perfect for Evan Ingram playing him in the slot because it offers a mismatch advantage for the Jacksonville Jaguars because Evan Ingram has really good size for a tight end and phenomenal speed for the position as well. So he's going to be difficult for linebackers to keep up with speed-wise and he's going to be difficult for defensive backs to guard just because of his size. Now, the thing with Evan Ingram is, you know, drops and also durability. He hasn't really been good when it comes to staying on the field and maintaining the ability to stay healthy but you're only bringing him in for one year 10 million dollars for Evan Ingram seems like I don't think that I personally think it's kind of a little bit too much to pay him 10 million I probably would have settled around seven or six million dollars but you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars desperately just need all the talent they can get. So I can understand why they're throwing a little bit too much money out there. But you break in Evan Ingram, you definitely improve the tight end position. Then, one of the biggest hand-scratching signings of the day was the Jacksonville Jaguars signing Christian Kirk. Now, what's hand-scratching about this isn't the decision to sign him because they need to improve the wide receiver position it's the amount they decided to give him they're giving him a four-year deal worth 84 million dollars he's pretty much making 18 million a year making him a top 10 
highest paid wide receiver in the league and Christian Kirk is you know a solid number two option or at least he has proved to be a really good number two option during his time in Arizona however there hasn't really been anything that has showcased to me that he has what it takes to be a true number one option because by giving him this contract making him a top 10 highest paid wide receiver in the nfl you're basically saying you have enough confidence in him to be your number one wide receiver does he have the skill set yes he does but he is fairly inconsistent so you're giving this guy wide receiver one money who hasn't had a proven track record of consistency and you're also giving high level money to somebody who is one of the more inconsistent wide wide receivers in the league now last season was probably one of the best seasons of his pro career he caught 77 passes for 982 receiving yards 12.8 yards per reception and he had five receiving touchdowns but for Jacksonville you know like you're you're basically paying him and you're saying like hey you need high level wide receiver run production you at least need 1100 receiving yards and you need at least 90 receptions is christian kirk somebody who is going to be capable of producing those kind of numbers you get what i'm saying he's always somebody who has produced moderate or above average wide receiver two numbers but he doesn't really showcase anything as of right now that shows anybody that he has what it takes to be a true number one wide receiver you know so for the jacksonville jaguars this is a high risk high reward signing because like the potential is there for christian kirk he definitely is somebody who could break out given the situation that jacksonville is in with them basically looking for him to be the wide receiver one and when he was playing for arizona you know deandre hopkins was there he was the primary wide receiver so that kind of you know lord um christian kirk's numbers and it kind of capped christian kirk off a little bit well now with him going to jacksonville and being the main option expected to be the number one wide receiver you know his production could increase and he could end up becoming you know one of the best receivers in the league it could happen that's why i said this is a high risk high reward signing you're giving him a lot of money to somebody who hasn't really been the most consistent however he does have the potential to be a very good wide receiver one. It's just, is it going to come along? Then Zay Jones, they signed him to a three-year deal worth $30 million. This is probably one of the worst free agency signings so far because Christian Kirk got overpaid. A little bit understandable. You get what I'm saying? But paying Zay Jones a three-year deal 30 million dollars doesn't really make a lot of sense because he's somebody who hasn't even had even the level of production that Christian Kirk has had like he hasn't even put up good numbers to even be considered a great number two wide receiver he's put up you know like wide receiver four wide receiver three numbers so for Jacksonville you overpaid for somebody who up to this point in his career hasn't been better than a wide receiver three so you look at this Zay Jones signing he had a pretty solid season for Las Vegas last year 446 receiving yards 47 receptions and a touchdown but I mean like this is kind of wide receiver two money and Zay Jones hasn't really been nothing but just a fortified, you know, third or fourth option. So can he be a number two or a high level option in Jacksonville? Jacksonville also has people like LaVisco Chanel who has a lot of potential. So like 
Zay Jones getting this kind of money as a head scratcher. Definitely feel like this was a drastic overpay. And overall in the day for Jacksonville, like, did their team get better? Yes, it did. However, like, they, like, the, the signing of Brandon Sheriff, very good, okay? The signing of Foyer Luicon, phenomenal. Two fantastic signings. But then after those two signings, you know, like, that's where they kind of start getting a little bit off to me in terms of the contract. You know, like, they brought in what they needed. Okay, they definitely improved a little bit at the positions that they have needed to address so far. However, they have kind of overpaid for players who haven't really played up to the level of money that they are receiving. And you have huge concerns if any of these players, such as Christian Kirk or Zay Jones or Evan Ingram, are going to be able to play up to the level of money that they are receiving. Foyer, Louis Kahn, Brendan Sheriff, they already have proven that they are deserving of the contracts that the Jacksonville Jaguars have given them and that they have verbally agreed upon. However, you look at Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, you look at the kind of money they're making, could be pretty risky because there's a high chance that neither one of them plays up to the level of contract that they have received from the Jacksonville Jaguars so yes the Jacksonville Jaguars have gotten better however they kind of did overpay for players who haven't really looked all that consistent as you would like them to be but interesting to seeing how it works out in you know the rest of the offseason because there's still a lot of offseason to go. This is only day one of free agency. So there's still a lot of moves that the Jacksonville Jaguars can make, but they definitely did overpay for a couple of, you know, of the signings that they made. The New York Jets had a pretty busy day also. They won the free agency. They re-signed wide receiver Braxton Berrios coming off a phenomenal season. He got a two-year deal worth $12 million. He was an all-pro kick returner. He also caught 46 passes for 431 receiving yards and two touchdowns as well. They also signed offensive lineman Lincoln Tomlinson to a three-year deal worth $40 million. Now you continue to improve the offensive line. You already have offensive tackle Makai Beckton. You have off the guard Elijah Vera Tucker. Now you have offensive lineman Lincoln Tomlinson. So the the New York Jets offensive line is coming along very nice. And you add a piece or two more, and that offensive line is going to be very good, above average. So it remains to be seen if they're going to continue to improve the offensive line via the draft or if they're going to sign another offensive lineman and draft another one in the upcoming 2022 NFL draft. Really excited because now with the offensive line built up, Zach Wilson is going to have more time to throw the football. And on top of that, it's also going to improve the run game because the run blocking is also going to improve as well. And for the New York Jets, you know, this is going to be really big that the run blocking is going to improve because you look at how their offense is structured. It's pretty much structured to get the run game going, use play action to attack defenses vertically. So understandable why they signed Lincoln Tomlinson. I think he was one of the more underrated 
offensive lineman in free agency this year. Three years, $40 million, really good. Then they signed former Bengals tight end CJ Uzama to a three-year deal worth $24 million. I think that this is a pretty fair contract. I think that this is a market value deal for CJ Uzama, 49 receptions, 493 receiving yards, and five touchdowns. And he's going to have a big role in the New York Jets offense, especially when you look at what they need out of the tight end position. They haven't really gotten a lot of production. And that's going to be really big because when you look at Mike LaFleur, you know, like his offense uses a lot of play action and tight ends are normally pretty actively involved in this offense, not only when it comes to what they do in the run game in terms of their run blocking, but also what they do in the pass game as a pass catcher. And CJ Uzama is somebody who could... He has some untapped potential. You know, like for Cincinnati, he was like a pretty reliable option. But I think with the New York Jets, he has the potential to blossom into more than just a, you know, solid check down option or solid safety blanket. I think he has potential to emerge as one of the better tight ends in the league. All he really just needs is the targets. And when he was playing for Cincinnati last season, he wasn't really able to get the kind of targets that he needed to, you know elevate his play because you had T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and Jamar Chase also getting a fair share amount of targets. So for CJ Uzama, if he can get 80 targets, even 90 targets, you know, I think he could end up being a pro bowler. I think he has really good hands. He's pretty reliable in third down situations as well. So he's going to be a pretty good safety blanket for Zach Wilson, who he can trust. And, you know, situations where the New York Jets may be in the third and long situation or they may be in a situation where they need to keep the chains alive. And CJ Uzama could be a really good option. You know, he's reliable, great hands. Like, I just like everything about CJ Uzama. Also, a pretty good run blocker, which is something that the New York Jets also look for in their tight ends. So, I like what the New York Jets have did in free agency. And as we progress throughout free agency, we're probably going to be seeing more signings out of the New York Jets, especially on the defensive side of the football right now after day one. All their day one signings were on the offensive side of the ball. Now, I expect them to make some more moves on the defensive side of the ball. You know, there's still some good cornerbacks out there. There's some good linebackers out there. You know, they definitely could use another edge rusher or great pass rusher. So there's still a lot of room for improvement from the New York Jets. However, this was a really solid day one for them in free agency. Now, the last team that we have to talk about The Los Angeles Chargers, they had a fantastic day of free agency day one. They came to agreement with former Rams defensive tackle Sebastian Joseph Day. They agreed to a three-year deal worth $24 million last season. He missed a couple of games due to injury, but when he played, he was really productive. He had 38 tackles, a career high, three sacks. He's going to be a really big part of that Brandon Staley defense next season because one thing that the Chargers 
had problems with was stopping the run. They were one of the worst defenses in the NFL in the NFL when it came to stopping the run. So Sebastian Joseph Day is really good against the run. He also can give you a little bit when it comes to getting after the quarterback in the pass rush department. But the biggest signing and probably the biggest signing of the day was the Chargers signing star cornerback J.C. Jackson to a five-year deal worth $82.5 million. And when you ask people, you know, like, did the Chargers overpay for J.C. Jackson or did they pay the right value for J.C. Jackson or did they underpay for J.C. Jackson? Was this signing a steal? Most people are going to say that they paid the right value for J.C. Jackson. However, there are a good amount of people who feel like the Chargers overpaid and I don't really agree with that statement because I was expecting J.C. Jackson to be getting Jalen Ramsey kind of money. Like that was what the rumor was. It was saying that there were people saying that J.C. Jackson wanted to get the same kind of money that Jalen Ramsey was getting. So I was like, okay, it's understandable why the New England Patriots didn't want to bring him back. That is a lot of money. However, you look at this contract now, I'm doing the math right now, he's projected to be making 16 and a half million dollars per year from this contract so if that's true I don't think that's bad I think that's really good because there's some corners out there who probably could be making way less than what JC Jackson's getting right now however you know they're making more than what JC Jackson's getting so I think that this is a really good deal for JC Jackson and not only just JC Jackson but for the Chargers you improve the secondary like I don't think that this deal is bad at all. Like, I don't know why there's some people out there saying that the Chargers overpaid for J.C. Jackson. Like, you're getting J.C. Jackson for six and a half, sixteen and a half million dollars a year, if my math is right. Like, that's big. That's, like, fantastic because I was thinking J.C. Jackson was going to be somewhere between 19 and 20-something million dollars, you know, like, I thought he was going to get that kind of money. So the fact that the Chargers signed him for $82 million, like, surprised me because I thought he was going to end up getting like a $100 million deal or something in the high $90 million range. So J.C. Jackson, fantastic signing for the Chargers. You pair him up now with Duran James and Asante Samuel Jr., you have a really good secondary. Then on top of that, you just recently traded for Khalil Mack in the trade with the Chicago Bears. Like, this defense for the Chargers is looking really nice. And if you can add some more run stoppers on the interior of that defensive line, that defense is going to have a huge turnaround next season compared to how they performed this past season, which was really disappointing so then on top of that you look at how jc jackson has performed like where do you rank jc jackson amongst nfl corners do you think jc jackson is a top 10 corner or a top five corner because based on how he performed last season he was probably the second best cornerback in the nfl behind Jalen ramsey he had eight interceptions 23 pass deflections he also was an all pro a pro bowl selection he spent the last four seasons with new england a lot of new england patriots fans are really sad to see him go but i think he's going to do some really big things for the los angeles chargers and that Brandon Staley defense. 
I got to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers signing Mitchell Trubisky. Oh, God. So, I was heading to South Beach with my homeboys. And on the way to South Beach, I got a notification on my phone. Breaking news. The Pittsburgh Steelers agree to terms with former Chicago Bears and Bills quarterback Mitchell Trubisky. Two-year deal worth $14 million. Now, the first thing I did when I got the news is I went on social media and I wanted to see everybody's reaction, mainly Pittsburgh Steelers fans, because for those of you guys who don't know, I am a diehard Pittsburgh fan. And a lot of Steelers fans pretty much had the same reaction I had. They were like, oh, Lord, here we go. And what's funny is that there were... The main people who were saying that, you know, this signing isn't as bad as what a lot of Steelers fans making it out to be, or the people who were trying to console Steelers fans and tell Steelers fans that, hey, Mitchell Trubisky actually could be a steal for you guys, were the non-Steelers fans. Like, I found, I found it really funny. Like, the people who were defending this move and getting behind this move, who liked this move the most, were non-Steelers fans. So, like, there are non-Steelers fans trying to get Steelers fans excited about Mitchell Trubisky in. I recorded a video initially to the signing in the car on the way to South Beach, but I didn't upload it. I said, you know what? I don't really like it. I'm going to go ahead and redo it. And it's like, you got to look at the positives, okay? Like, you got to look at, you got to kind of try to understand why Pittsburgh brought in Mitchell Trubisky. Like, what could Mitchell Trubisky, what traits could he possibly possess that would want to have somebody like Mike Tomlin bring him in and give him a second opportunity because Mike Tomlin is taking a huge gamble by bringing in Mitchell Trubisky because you got to remember that this is the quarterback that Mike Tomlin is choosing to be the successor to Big Ben. So this is going to be the first ever quarterback that Mike Tomlin has ever handpicked ever as a head coach in Pittsburgh. So Mitchell Trubisky, He's really good when it comes to RPOs, read options, and I think that's going to be a different element that the Steelers are going to have offensively next season with Matt Canada remaining as the offensive coordinator for the Steelers. And Matt Canada got a lot of hate amongst Pittsburgh Steelers fans and deservedly so because a lot of his play calls were questionable at times. Like, why are you calling a pitch on fourth and one when you know that the off the line is not great, like, why would you do that? Why not, if you're going to call a run play on fourth and one, instead of calling a pitch play, just run the football up the middle, you got a better chance. But, hey, it's the reason why I'm not getting paid millions of dollars to be an offensive coordinator. But I think something that took away from Matt Kennedy's offense that kind of was a reason why it struggled last season was because he didn't have the element of the RPOs in the read option. And that's also something that's going to be really big for Pittsburgh because they're going to need a quarterback with some mobility because you just don't want teams just keying in, going all in, trying to stop the run. You got to be able to have a quarterback that can also account for you know a part of the run game rather that be with design quarterback runs or read options or getting them involved in rpos as well but you have to show that mobility aspect you need that mobility from your quarterback and mitchell trubisky is a really good athlete so 
the downfall is that, you know, he wasn't really all that great during his time in Chicago when it came to reading coverages, understanding defenses, understanding where to go with the football. There were several times where he would look at wide receivers running wide open and then throw to a wide receiver who was not open. So I wonder just how much has he improved being the backup for the Buffalo Bills in just one season. You get what I'm saying? Now, an argument that a lot of people are going to say is, well, JT, he was held back by Matt Nagy. And that's understandable. You know, like, going to Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh has won with quarterbacks named Doug Hodges and Mason Rudolph. Like, if Mike Tomlin can win with Doug Hodges and Mason Rudolph, I'm definitely confident that he can win with Mitchell Trubisky. However... In a division with Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow, you wonder just if Mitchell Trubisky is going to be good enough to keep Pittsburgh in the race to not only win the division, but also make the playoffs in a tough division where pretty much two teams have their quarterback situations figured out. And Baker Mayfield, you know, even though he's been up and down, he's still a better quarterback than Mitchell Trubisky. So the Steelers have the worst quarterback in the division at the moment. However, we don't know if Mitchell Trubisky is going to be the starter. Like a lot of people, when they talk about Mitchell Trubisky, they were pretty much saying that he's going to be the starter. Like, no, he's not. Like Mike Tomlin if you really know Mike Tomlin, he doesn't give anything. Everybody has to earn everything. And for people to assume that Mitchell Trubisky is going to be the starter, it's a little bit premature because he's on a very, very cheap deal. Like a two-year deal, $14 million. Like that's for, that's a huge discount. That's like 75% off. Like this basically was a clearance sale for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like they were looking at the quarterback market, right? They were on the shelf looking at quarterbacks. They say, hmm, Deshaun Watson, half our team to get him? No thanks. Hmm, let's see, Jameis Winston? He probably has a pretty good market, but you know, we want to go to the clearance aisle. So they go to the clearance aisle. And they come back and they say, what about Mitchell Trubisky? You know, we can get him for fairly cheap. Mike Tomlin's probably saying, you know, I've won with worse. I've won with Mason Rudolph. I've won with Duck Hodges. So I could probably win with Mitchell Trubisky. You know, he does have some upside. He does have athleticism. And he's probably the most athletic quarterback that the Steelers currently have on the roster outside of Joshua Dobbs. Now, you know, his accuracy wasn't that great for Chicago. His footwork, his mechanics were kind of off. So you wonder how how those things have improved from his time in Chicago to his time in Buffalo to him now going to Pittsburgh. But also, the Steelers do still have Dwayne Haskins and Mason Rudolph, so I'm expecting there to be a quarterback battle this offseason between all three quarterbacks, Haskins, Rudolph, and Trubisky. But I also would not be surprised if the Pittsburgh Steelers draft a quarterback in the upcoming NFL draft because the Steelers have been a team that has been heavily linked to Malik Willis. However, will Malik Willis be there where when it's time for the Pittsburgh Steelers time to pick? Or will Pittsburgh have to trade up for Malik Willis? But if you do get Malik Willis or if you draft another quarterback in this draft, 
then you can allow them to sit for a year or two. And then the Mitchell Trubisky, you know, plays okay. Then, you know, you can allow Mitchell Trubisky to re-sign and then you trade him, try to get some assets in return for him. But if not, hey, you know, he'll be able to get you by until it's time for the young rookie quarterback to step up and take over the reins, rather that be midseason during his rookie year or him starting his second or third season in the league. Also, you have Dwayne Haskins, who also was a former first round pick so you look at Pittsburgh you have two more you have two former first round picks on your roster so you have two guys who have high upside however are Mike Tomlin and Matt Canada going to be able to unlock the potential of Mitchell Trubisky or Dwayne Haskins that is going to be a really interesting question to monitor but Mitchell Trubisky definitely is going into a better situation in Pittsburgh than what he had during his time when he was last the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears. You got Deontay Johnson, you have Chase Claypool, so you have a really good one-two punch there at wide receiver. You have Pat Fryermuth, who probably is going to break out next season. You got Najee Harris in the backfield. All Pittsburgh has to do is improve the offensive line, and the offense will be set. So Mitchell Trubisky hopefully should have the pieces set in place for him to be successful and have a better tenure in Pittsburgh than what he did in Chicago. Also, you're going to be playing for Mike Tomlin. You're playing for one of the best head coaches in the league. Mike Tomlin is somebody who gets the most out of every single player on his team. And for Mitchell Trubisky, you want to know, you know, like how much of Mitchell Trubisky have we not seen with him being at his best? That's my question. Like, when we've seen Mitchell Trubisky at his best, he's been able to, you know, get outside of the pocket, extend plays, you know, really good throwing on the run at times. And he's a really good athlete, especially when he has to run the football and pick up yards with his legs. So, you know, like, what kind of untapped potential could Mike Tomlin unlock from Mitchell Trubisky? Because the physical traits are there. You get what I'm saying? He does have the physical traits. But the problem with Mitchell Trubisky has never really been the physical tools. It's always been the mental tools. So eager to see what Mitchell Trubisky does with the Pittsburgh Steelers. As a Steelers fan, personally, I'm not a big fan of the signing. However, I am going to give Mitchell Trubisky a chance simply for the fact that I trust Kevin Colbert and I trust Mike Tomlin. Kevin Colbert is one of the greatest journal managers in the history of the NFL. And Mike Tomlin is one of the best head coaches in the league. So I trust their judgment. And Mike Tomlin has already have a proven track record of being able to win with, you know, not really having the greatest production out of his quarter quarterbacks but he was able to handpick his quarterback so he picked Mitchell Trubisky so he picked them for a reason I trust Mike Tomlin I'm going to give Mitchell Trubisky a shot some other notable free agency signings that I want to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals signed former Buccaneers offensive guard Alex Kappa to a four-year deal worth 40 million dollars huge deal Joe Burrow was sacked one of the most times in the NFL out of any other quarterback last season. We already know the Cincinnati Bengals, no-brainer, needed to improve the offensive line this offseason. So far, they took one step to doing that and bringing in Alex Kappa. Now you have Jonah Williams, Alex Kappa, 
two good offensive linemen there. Now you have to bring in a couple of more. You still got to improve right tackle and you got to find another center and possibly another guard for death if you don't like Carmen Jackson, if he's not able to develop. But so far for Cincinnati, I like this signing. Big signing. Cincinnati is a better football team now with the addition of Alice Kappa than they were before Alice Kappa. And a lot of people keep asking the question, you know, like, is Cincinnati going to be able to compete? and be in the Super Bowl conversation again next season? Or was this past season just a magical Cinderella run and Cincinnati may never, ever touch the Super Bowl again? Well, if Cincinnati's going to be able to prove to everybody that they have what it takes to be in the Super Bowl conversation for years to come, they're going to have to improve that offensive line. You're going to have to be able to protect Joe Burrow. And if you improve that offensive line with the weapons that they have at wide receiver and Joe Mixon, Woo! That Cincinnati Bengals offense may be unstoppable. And Alex Kappel is really good. He allowed five sacks last season in 2021 and 1,182 offensive snaps. So, you know, really good. You know, now he's not, you know, elite. He's not, you know, top three or top five at his position, in my opinion. But he is a really good offensive guard above average and he definitely is going to be an upgrade over whoever the Cincinnati Bengals had starting at offensive guard last season the Chicago Bears signed defensive tackle Larry Okunjobi who is coming off a career high seven sack season with the Cincinnati Bengals last year I know Cincinnati Bengals fans are going to be incredibly hurt about losing Larry Okunjobi I wanted to see Larry Okunjobi return to Cincinnati because he put up monster numbers with Cincinnati now he's going to the Chicago Bears with new head coach Matt Eberflus. Going to be really interesting in seeing, you know, how Larry Ogunjobi's career turns out from this point. You know, like, was this just a one-off season from Larry Ogunjobi? Was this his peak or... Is he going to continue to ascend? Because seven sacks from a defensive tackle is phenomenal. You get what I'm saying? Like, there's not too many defensive tackles who even managed to have even more than five sacks in the season. So the fact that he has seven sacks in one season for Cincinnati gives me a lot of confidence that he can keep that up. So if he's able to keep up that same level of production for the Chicago Bears, Matt Eberflus and his staff were getting a phenomenal still and free agency and Larry Oak and Joby the Tempe Buccaneers re-signed cornerback Carlton Davis who probably was going to be the second best cornerback on the market behind JC Jackson they are signing him to a three-year deal worth 45 million dollars kind of surprised that they were able to bring back Carlton Davis because I thought Carlton Davis was going to end up getting a contract somewhere around 60 to 70 million dollars so the fact that they signed him to a three-year deal for 45 million dollars kind of surprised me but also he probably liked Tampa so maybe he was willing to take a discount or maybe the market value for Carlton Davis wasn't as high as what I thought it would be then the last key signing that I love and that's why I saved it for last the Philadelphia Eagles are signing pass rusher Hassan Reddick three-year deal 45 million dollars the last two seasons, like Hassan Reddick has broken out. 2020, 12 and a half sacks for the Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals let him walk in free agency. Carolina signed them. He had 11 sacks. 
now he's getting a long-term deal with the Philadelphia Eagles. And for the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, like the pass rush has kind of been something that needed to be addressed. Now you bring in Hassan Reddick, who has been really productive over the last two seasons. Hopefully that can continue. I think it will. I think at worst, Hassan Reddick will give you seven, eight sacks, which isn't bad. But when you're giving him this kind of money, three years, $45 million, you're probably looking for eight, nine sacks a year at least and then at the most you know um high end you know 15 16 sacks is probably going to be the high end but i think three years 45 million dollars for hassan reddick is a really big steal for the philadelphia eagles because i thought that hassan reddick was going to end up getting like a big four or five year deal worth 60 70 million dollars i thought he was going to be one of the more higher paid edge rushers in free agency but this is a pretty good contract for the philadelphia eagles that they were able to come to terms with with hassan reddick so this is it for this episode of the jt sports podcast i appreciate you guys for tuning in if you enjoyed this episode make sure that you like the video subscribe to the channel for more episodes of the jt sports podcast if you're listening to this on apple or spotify make sure that you go ahead leave a five-star review share the podcast on your social media platforms with your friends family and acquaintances and i will see you guys shortly with another episode of the jt sports podcast